0: Welcome back to another episode of Not Even D2. Today we have a special guest, Dom LaMorta. You'll hear throughout this interview, but Dom works hard at everything that he does, and you can see why he's been a winner at both the high school and college level. Stay tuned to hear about his development as a player, the craziest games he's been a part of, and his experience training NBA guys. Thanks for tuning in, and now let's get into the episode. We're here with the first virtual interview of Not Even D2 with the boy, Dom LaMorta. How you doing, bro?
1: What's up, KJ? How you doing, man? Glad glad to be on and uh, have a little conversation with you. It's going to
0: be fun. Yes, sir, bro. I'm already knowing. So usually I want to just talk about college with guys, but your high school career is very unique, and I feel like listeners need to know that aspect of you before we dial into post-college and your college career. So yes, sir. you went 49 and 1. You won a state and a federation championship. What about that Scotia team made that team so dominant in section 2 cuz if you say I went 49 and 1 to me, I'm going to think you played in the worst section, but you played in section 2 and class A. So there's real talent in that. What what about that team was so important or so special?
1: Well, we had, a, we had a really good group of people that all shared the same mindset. And you said, well, yeah, you get that at a lot of schools. But um, there's something about us that was just like we were very hungry. We all really were competitive. And we all really, like, really, like, genuinely loved the game. And uh, we kind of knew, like, what we had early on, not to the point that we knew we were going to be 49-1 and one and go on the crazy run. Um, but we knew we had guys that were committed and wanted to do it, like, every single day. I mean, we, we used to literally from, I mean, probably, like, ninth, tenth grade on, um, we were in the gym almost six out of seven days, if not seven wow. out of seven days a week, um, and this was all year round, and that's all we did. Um, we are playing. I think we were a, a couple of us were playing baseball here and there up until, like, ninth, but then we decided to fully commit, um, and then we had coaches that were fully committed just as, like we were, so it was, like, a perfect situation in terms of the commitment level. And then guys kind of were able to push each other. Uh, like I said, on a daily basis, and it was always like, yo, are we working out today. And if someone was slacking, we would hit them up and be like, yo, are you working out today? So it was just like a, a really good atmosphere, and a really good culture. And then, um, obviously we had the coaching and the, and the guidance from, you know, three, in my opinion, three hall of fame coaches and, um, uh, G- Jim was his last name. Uh, James Jim who's going to be he's actually in the Hall of Fame already. Uh, Mark Sawsville, who's in the Hall of Fame. And then, a uh, the guy that passed away, my Scotty Stepierre's father, who was one of the biggest influences that, um, we've all, all ever had and just knew the game really, really well. And he was the one that kind of developed us throughout our, our career. So, I mean, we had a really good group of guys and, and we started to be honest. Now that I think about it, we were all together in some form since like kindergarten, first grade. Wow. So, I mean we we were really like built up from the beginning and then obviously with the, the work that we put in we we earned it you know what I mean
0: so it was yeah. it was definitely something I'll never forget So I can kind of tell that you guys played together all your life you see programs in section 2 like your your group and Shenandoah those guys it's yeah. like you you can't guard them it's they're so systematically structured it's it's hard to to compete against those group of guys, and you guys yeah. had a ton of talent on that Scotia team as well. I used to watch you guys when I was younger, and it was always like, Dad, can we go to Scotia go watch them? But yeah, That's that, so sick to hear <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very yeah. it's hard in high school too, like to have a whole group of guys that are buying in instead of like where I went to school it was one to three people that were gonna work out every single day and go hard, but if you have a whole roster. That's going to set you apart easily. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was the
1: biggest thing. It's like you said, there's a couple guys here and there, but when you get like a whole group of guys, it's totally different.
0: Yeah. You graduate and you commit to Alfred, but you're a year ahead of your point guard in high school, Scotty. We touched on him earlier. Earlier. Mm-hmm. What? How important was it for you and Scotty to remain teammates, or was it just a coincidence that you both ended up at Alfred?
1: So the whole story was, not a lot of people know this either, but I started actually at Cortland, uh, SUNY Cortland, and that's where I committed originally. So I was there for probably about a semester. Um, I was young. I was only 17 when I graduated high school. So I was a homebody. Like, we were from Scotia. That's all we did was hoop, and we were in Scotia. We traveled to New York City and stuff for strictly basketball terms. We weren't going anywhere else unless that was for basketball. So I went away, wasn't ready for it really as a person, as a player, um, I was definitely as a player polished enough to be in the situation, but it was just, like I said, it was new for me because I was so used to being in that Scotia system. We were so good. And then, you know, you get to college and things aren't the same. It's just different. You're around different people around different voices. And you, you came from a program that literally never lost. And then you're getting into a program around kids that like, you know, haven't had the same guidance. So they don't really know the same types of things and, don't look at things the same way. So it was just like a culture shock for me. And I had to really understand that it's going to be different. I have to kind of adjust my mindset to the atmosphere. So at at first, I really wasn't ready for it. It was a bigger school, bigger program. And then um, once I decided to leave, I came home and went to um, Schenectady Community College just to do some classes and stuff um, to get my credits rolling and then was kind of searching for a different place to go. And then Scotty called me, Coach Phillips called me, and we're like, yo, um, we have a spot open if you want to kind of join us. Um, you know, Scotty's here, and it would be like a comfort for you to kind of join us. It's a smaller school. So I went out and visited. Um, and you know from being an Alfred, it's not like the most luxurious place ever when you not first pull all. on campus, you know? Yeah, you know, so it's like out in the middle of nowhere, so I'm talking to my dad. I'm like, you know, I, I like what they have to offer and what they're saying, but this is like really in the middle of nowhere and you know i don't really know like if it's the right place for me so we kind of went back and forth and because scotty was there it was kind of like you know I'm, I'm gonna do it because i know i'm gonna have someone there whatever happens i'm gonna have someone there that i know will share that same mindset with me so i decided to do it and then obviously um got there and the rest is history
0: yeah so what year were you when because i never heard this what year were you when you ended up at alfred
1: so I was um academically a sophomore. Okay. But because I never played I didn't even start the season with them. I tried out, was on the team, went through a couple practices, and then I just told Coach Span, who's the coach that I just retired there, Hall of Fame coach, really good guy that recruited me for a long time, who I have a ton of respect for. Mm-hmm. Um just kinda told him like, yo, I'm really not in a comfortable situation. They tried to tell me like, yo, we really want you here. You know, you're probably going to be in the rotation as a freshman. So it wasn't one of the situations where I wasn't really, like, playing. I just wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Um. So I went there, and I still have all four years. So that year, that gap that I never played – or I didn't play well, was – that's a, another – I didn't play, and I came back for that freshman year at Alphabro, and I was so rusty, I couldn't even
0: – Wow. I felt like I never played basketball. Before. I mean, crazy. Taking, a, taking a year off, you're going to be, like – it's, it's just different. Like, even for me, I – I got hurt last year, and I didn't play the last 20 games of the year. And coming back now, just practicing with the guys is like, I have to get back into shape of things. And I'm excited to see how I play during the season. But the yeah. first game or a few games might be a little rough. But, yeah, it's just
1: the timing of everything and, and getting that type of feel back of, you know, getting up to speed and being in shape. And it's it's something you got to be in to experience and get back to before you're, you're like, at your, your peak performers in that top you know top level of your game
0: yeah um what was the first few years of college basketball like at Alfred for you were you guys winning games were you playing a lot what what was going on so my first year
1: I mean I didn't play a whole lot at all to be honest with you um and the program was kind of coach Phillips Russ Phillips um who was my guy that coached me while I was there had just taken over a couple years prior um they had a couple seasons where they were um a couple of seasons where they won um some games they got to the playoffs a couple of seasons they had a couple of down years but when i got there our first two years um we really shaky we didn't and this is no knock to anybody but the the way that the leadership was at that time wasn't really built out there wasn't a relationship between the older guys and the young guys and you know how important that is being on a college team it needs thing, to be like
0: most important yeah it's
1: got to be chemistry and guys have to feel comfortable so um those first couple of years were very tough for me because I didn't really play a ton. And I, like I said, I came from a program where I was literally playing every minute of the game. I didn't come out at all unless I was in foul trouble or literally asked for a break. So, you know, it was, it was humbling. And I had to kind of adjust to the situation. And for me, you know, it got to the point and I had to make a decision as a player. Like a lot of kids just see, like when they don't play, they kind of just give up and they, they go to something else, whether it's like partying or, start talking to chicks and whatever you know what i'm saying like that's that, that's the reality of the situation for me i already knew like basketball was my thing like and i was there for one reason and that was um to obviously have a really good career but more than anything was to bring a championship there so it was my goal so i just literally from the freshman that first uh, freshman season when i wasn't playing i would go to the weight room after every game in my jersey and lift and then i would stay after. i would shoot and be in the gym in my jersey, and then I would go into the locker room and everybody left, and my stuff in, and i go back up. And at first it was frustrating because it's like, bro, I'm putting all this work in, and I'm still not getting minutes, or I'm getting two minutes here, and then he's taking me out. But I knew over time that eventually, you know, like, things would add up and get to where I wanted to be.
0: Yeah. It's very hard as a underclassman to play in any role, but especially like a college basketball bench player, you're going in – Yeah you're going in and you're trying to learn so much. It's a different pace. It's a different level. You're trying to learn and then you know yeah. that the person playing in front of you is gonna come in if you make one or two mistakes. So you're you just gotta find the balance of I'm trying to learn and trying to play the best basketball at the same time. But oftentimes it's it's really hard for underclassmen to be successful.
1: Yeah, it's super, super that's such a that's such a tough like part of the experience is those first couple of years. If you don't go in and play right away, um, it, you can, you, I mean, I see guys all the time. Now that, what I do. People just transfer or they quit or they don't play anymore because they hit that first year of adversity or that first, and they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to go just through like it. That. They don't want to even experience it because they're not used to it. So um, I think that's where, you know, you, you have to create like coaches have to create relationships with the young guys and be in their ear and, have it be a uh, an atmosphere in the program where if they don't feel comfortable, they can come to the coach and talk to them and be honest with them and be like, yo, like, I don't feel comfortable right now I'm not playing. This is hard for me. And the coach has got to be able to say, yo, stick with it. We got you. We want you to be a part of it. And not a lot of programs do that, dude. Like, you that's see a lot classic. of coaches that are just like, oh, I don't really, there's 25 kids on the roster. Like, I have my seven or eight that are going to play, and the rest of you guys, like, figure it out. You know, like, <laughs> that's a great analogy. Crazy. Cut, it's a cutthroat. It's a cutthroat uh, business because what the kids don't understand too. Now that I'm older and I've gotten out of it, like that's how those coaches are feeding their families. Like they're yeah. getting paid to coach, yeah. and that's their job. So if you don't produce, like I got to take you out and try and figure it out with someone else. You know, 100%. but I think building like cultures and programs that last is about those relationships and those connections even if they aren't playing you got to keep them comfortable so it's definitely that part of college is so
0: hard I don't know if you want to go into coaching but it sounds like you'll be a pretty good coach in the future
1: Yeah
0: okay. So going into senior senior year you what I just want to hear like what was your mindset you won Empire 8 first team you were a D3 Northeast region first team player and you won the E8 tournament MVP so what was your mindset going into that season? What was your work work ethic like? Tell me about that. Well, uh, like
1: like we talked about, those first couple of years were definitely humbling, and um, I don't like to get to that without kind of telling the story behind it because I, there's no way I would have got to those that fourth year without the first three, um, even the first four, because I took that first year off. But um, I, like I said, I was. And I don't like to be egotistical. I talk about, you know, myself a lot. I'm a team guy. I'm confident in the way that I, you know, play the games and, and you know, like the way that I treat people and, and stuff like that. But I don't think there was a, a freaking harder worker in terms of basketball, bro, in any division of basketball. When I was there, bro, that's literally all I did. You can ask all the guys that were to the point where it was, <laughs> I look back now, I'm like, yo, this is like a sickness. Like that's literally all I did, bro. I would get up, I go to class if I had it. Um, You know, I would if we had a workout in the morning. Obviously, in this part of the year for you guys, like you get up to your six a.m., your seven a.m., whatever it is. I go to class, I go back down, I work out, go back to class, eat something, go back down and work out again. And I used to realize it, like that it was just like different when I used to be in the gym and people used to walk in and be like, bro, do you ever go to like class? Like these people used to look at me and go like, bro, like, I don't even understand how you do this. Like every time I come down here, you're like here. And for me, like, yo, like everybody used to go to their dorm where they hang out. Like that's literally like what my comfort was is being in the gym, knowing I was being productive, you know, like being in the weight room, you know, making sure that my body was up to par because I knew like I had to be in, you, you walk into the uh, to college basketball as a freshman you see grown men playing basketball you're like bro i gotta get my body to a point where you know i can take the bumps and the physicality and stuff like that so that's literally all i wanted to do was win a championship okay that's like literally like when i got there bro like i looked at the wall every time i was in there i'm like bro i'm gonna do this like i don't care before i leave like what happens like this is what i'm gonna do so it was like that for two three years um and i and the other thing too that i like to help Kids out with now when I do the training stuff is the mental stuff. Like I had some really tough mental battles when I was in college, um, with like performance anxiety. I really really struggled with it. So like my sophomore year, I was in a really good spot. We played at Bonaventure in the exhibition game, um, and I had like 17 as a sophomore against like mm. you know high. That's like pretty high level of Division one basketball right there. Yeah. So I was re- I was feeling really well. I was playing really well in practice, but for whatever reason when I got to games, it was, it was different, you know, like I couldn't figure out how to get past that mental stuff. It really bothered me. Like my anxiety would like, just totally make me a different player. Like I had trouble breathing when I was playing, I would just think bad, bad stuff. So um, that was another thing that kind of like I had to battle throughout the college situation as well, as well as, you know, like developing as a player. So when I got to that senior year, it was kind of just like, yo, I've, I've come this far I've done things behind closed doors, um, and I know that I'm a really good player, and I've had people tell me that. And now it's like, you got to figure out how to show it in front of people and, and get rid of that anxiety. So, yeah. I did battle it, but it was more of a situation where I'm like, "Yo, this is my last year, so I'm either gonna figure it out or I'm not." You know, like this is this is it. And we had that year. The crazy part is we had, I think it was eleven freshmen. So, oh, like wow. all the guys that you played Younger. with last year, you had Bruce. Brewster, Elliot, you Yay, obviously yeah, played with Cole, Jay, Eddie, like guys, all bro. those guys were, they were, yeah, those, those were 11 freshmen, bro. We were, we had like four seniors. And then it was like Kev and an aunt Rufino. Um, and then I'm trying to think, do we have, I hope I'm not forgetting anybody because I sound like an idiot. Um, <laughs> Well, Jeremiah and Cole were the year under us, yeah. so that was that's so those like ten class, freshmen. Man. Those guys were the were the the sophomores, the juniors, and then us. So we had to figure out as seniors, me, Sage, Pat, and Scott, how to manage, like we talked about before, um, how to make those freshmen feel like welcomed and a part of things. You know, so it was more than just like, "Yo, I worked my hard. We worked my hard. We're gonna get here and do this." It was like we had to really manage, like each personality and make sure they all felt comfortable like you know elliot as as someone that's like right he doesn't even talk
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh like elliot didn't want to talk he was shy brewster like you know he battled his headaches another kid that was very shy like they were talented but we had to figure out how to make them comfortable so i knew that like i was someone that led by example but i didn't really use my voice a ton leading up to that year so I knew that I was going to have to be a vocal leader as well. So, yeah. um, I had to get into those guys and you had to figure out their personality. You had to hang out with them outside of the gym. You had to make sure that they were, um, doing well with things that they were feeling, you know, any type of anxiety or weren't doing things, You had to figure out how to, you know, get them to be confident because we needed everybody that year to do what we did. So, um, we got the best out of almost every, everybody. Elliot was the, the freshman of the year. Brewster was really, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, like Cole and, and Jeremiah and Ant and Kev did their thing. Um, and then all those other freshmen, like, showed up every single day, whether they were, you know, playing or not, and understood, like, what we were all doing as, as, a, as a unit. And that's what we wanted to win because we, we knew we had a chance. Um, so that was that part. That was really tough. And individually it was, you know, like, feeling out process at first cuz I'm like I said I'm a team guy so I would get into the game and I'm like yo I want to get guys involved but then I played the first couple games and I'm like yo we need to score to beat some of these
0: teams mm-hmm.
1: and I got to like I think it was like the third or fourth game where I'm like bro I'm going to probably have to shoot like 20 to 25 times some games to like win us these games and I'm like this is not how I'm used to playing because like in high school I was like five to ten shots because we all could shoot and we were all like yeah. team guys but i knew like yo i put in the time and coaches tell me like bro we need you to shoot we want you to shoot even if it's like a bad shot for you it may be our best shot that we're gonna get so i'm like yeah like that's
0: <laughs> the ultimate that's all i like... needed to hear
1: yeah that's all i needed to hear as a, as a player like that kind of flickered that anxiety that I was having, that kind of, like, flicked my confidence on them. Like, they want me to do this stuff that I practice every single day. So, you know, I had a couple games in the beginning where I had that feeling out process, and then I just started, like, figuring it out. Like, I was putting the ball in the basket in a bunch of different ways. I was getting to the line. I was shooting a really high percentage from three, and I just got really comfortable. So, um, that year was special because I kind of put everything that I worked on for so long together and was scoring, like pretty effortlessly like I was shooting from, you know, like wherever I wanted to. I was getting into the mid-range and I had developed my mid-range game that past summer, so I was super comfortable with that and then I was getting downhill cuz I was like a bigger guy yeah. and scoring around the rim and going to the line. So, um Complier. It was a special year. I don't want to babble on and go crazy, but like it, it I started to figure nice. that out along with the team stuff and it was just crazy.
0: Now, this is a great conversation. I love you babbling on about it. Um I want to circle back to The performance anxiety aspect you were talking about absolutely I feel like there's a lot of people that go through it and the only advice out there is just like practice if if you have anxiety just practice but (laughs) guys like you you said I practiced every day I was in the weight room I was getting shots up all day what advice do you have to people dealing with that anxiety
2: Well, you know, performance anxiety is such a misunderstood subject, especially in sports, because like you said, you know, a lot of people are like, yo, you're you're not playing well. And they think it's just because you're not putting the time in. And that's not necessarily like the truth for most people. Um, For some people it is, but for most people with that type of stuff, it's it's not the truth. Um, You know, for me personally, I can only speak on what I've kind of, you know, went through. Um, I have what they call like, ocd so ocd is kind of like there's different forms of it but with with sports it's like you go to the point where you're like exhausted like that's all you can do you think extra reps and extra work are always going to generate you know like better results and with ocd you go to like it's crazy because you'll go to like like a certain number like you can't leave the gym until you get this done or you have to like you know shoot this amount of shots before you can leave or you got to do this amount of so whatever. So I didn't realize this in college, but when I got out, I was like, yo, there's definitely like something messed up with me (laughs) because this is like to the point where this is like all I do. I like see these people come in the gym for 30 minutes and are good and leave and come and like kill. And I'm here for three hours and I'm not killing like they are like, I know I can, but I'm not. So the biggest, the biggest thing I would say to people is, is, um, and I actually was talking about this today with some of the kids that I worked out. The biggest thing with anxiety is, is you know, um, preparation is the thing that helps people the most with their anxiety. What I mean by that is, it's like people get anxious about situations because they're not prepared. So if you can go into the gym and do X amount of work every single day and know that you've, you know, you've worked on this thing when you're when you're in the gym, whether it's, you know, like dribbling or whatever it is, right? But then there's another element to it because you can do all that work and then still not perform some people and i think this is true for most people um can't really control it like i knew that like when i was in in college like the easiest way i can explain this to you um, that you'll understand it is like we we have like adrenaline as athletes that Um, We produce like before games, we get pumped up and we're ready to play and stuff like that. You can't do a game, you start killing, you have that adrenaline. I used to have the, the, the most adrenaline ever running through my body before the game would start. Like four days before the game would start, I would have adrenaline running through my body that I couldn't even control. Like it was just like boom, 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 boom. And I was like in class thinking about the game on Friday and it's like Monday, bro. I'm like, bro, we don't even play for four days. Why am I nervous about it? And I couldn't, like, to the point where I was, like, my breathing was off. Like, I'd have, sorry, crappy practices. <laughs> okay. And um, and I'm, like, bro, like, we haven't even got there. And we're playing a team that we've beaten every single time, you know, we've played them in my career. So, like, what am I – so, my biggest thing is, is what people don't understand is sometimes it's an internal thing that we are born with and we can't control or something that we adopt as, like, throughout our childhood or whatever – And it needs to be addressed with somebody that is a professional or somebody that understands that type of stuff. So for me, the biggest thing was I have to be able to, you know, function as a human before I can even think about going to play a basketball game. You know, so like the adrenaline that I had running through my body was to the point where I couldn't even control it. And then I would go out and play in front of, you know, sometimes like Bonaventure, you're playing in front of thousands of people. Um, You know, like certain games you're playing in front of a lot of people. Sometimes you're playing in front of nobody but I couldn't control it. So for me, I figured it out, like, not even really, to be honest, as crazy as it is, but I didn't even have it figured out my senior year. It was more when I got out of school. Um, and the thing that helped me the most was getting on a medicine that kind of um, lessened that adrenaline for me. It kind of reduced it, allowed me to cope with it and control it. And then I was able to go into, you know, workouts, games, stuff like that. And I was okay with like missing shots. And it was weird for me at first because I was so like perfectionist with everything. And I was like, yo, something was like, up." like, I don't feel as motivated about it. I still knew I loved it as much, but I'm like going through these games and I'm like missing shots. And I was just like chilling. I was like, cool. I'm, like, oh my God, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
2: So it was cool because I started to figure it out. And then like, after I got out of school, I was scoring, like I had a couple like summer league games against like legit guys, dudes that played in the G league guys that, I had like 61 game. I had like 51 game. I'm like, bro, I'm like bugging and I feel like normal. So uh, it's a long process and I still to this day haven't figured it out. But I think a lot of people need to seek help and don't be don't be scared to like reach out to people. Um and and maybe you don't figure it out with the first doctor, or the second doctor, or the first sports psychologist or the second sports psychologist, but don't stop because you haven't figured it out or they don't give you the feedback that you want. You have to like, you have to be experimental with it. You got to try different things. You have to to really work on it the same way you would work on your game, because it's like something you really have to work on and and get good at to be able to cope with it. And then obviously um, go out in front of, you know, X amount of people and perform. So my biggest advice would just be, don't be scared to seek help on it because it can totally change your life and change your, your sports career.
0: That's great advice. Like, I deal with performance anxiety a lot, and I'm sure a ton of people around the country do, and I've never heard someone put it like that, but everything you said, I'm definitely taking in my head, and I'm going to use that to my advantage. I'm definitely the type of
2: person, too, that if anybody listens to this, like, if you ever want help or advice or anything, I'm open book. If anybody wants to reach out and needs help with it, I'm always there, including you.
0: Let's fast forward to... Playoff basketball, playing for Alfred. You guys hosted the E8s, and the energy just looked crazy. When I came on my visit here, that's something they advertise is you can play in front of this crowd, and I. that's one of the reasons I was like, yeah, I want to show out and be able to play in front of this crowd with all the people I'm going to school with. What were the different yeah. intensity levels playing – hosting e8s at your school versus the ncaa tournament which you eventually played in
2: so i mean that atmosphere was like unlike any other playing in in alfred because like you said you get to play in front of your classmates you get to play in front of people you see every single day so um for me it was the basketball program we got there wasn't i didn't see that at all really to be honest until i got to like my junior year we had some people that showed out to our games because we were, you know, in the playoff contention. Um, but I, I saw it more with, like, the football team. Um, my sophomore year, they they had a deep run. They were good. And I still always remember this to this day. Yeah, really good. They went to the Elite Eight. So I was actually really close with the football guys because they were the ones um, that were down in the gym all the time. So when I was down there working out, it was just like, you know, I always saw them, we talked, chopped it up, and we had, like, mutual respect. So they ended up playing a playoff game at home. Um, and the atmosphere was just like sick. There were people coming in from everywhere in this small town of Alford and it was kind of like for me it was like inspiring because you know like these dudes are like the same as me. They came from small schools or big schools if they did but they were you know going to class with me. They were the same dudes that I talked to all the time but they were killing and they had mad people coming to their games and it was just exciting. Everybody wanted to be there and everybody loved the football guys so for me i'm like yo this is what i want for the basketball program like this is what i want to be able to create for like us you know and um when we finally clinched that um birth to be able to host um which is another crazy story i could tell so many stories about this stuff we actually played a game i'll go quick into it but we played a game on saturday at fisher um we went back to back and played a game i think it was somewhere and then we went to fisher one and we went to Chipotle after the game. And we all got food poisoning on Saturday wow. night into Sunday. So we were all down and out. And we had the game on Tuesday against Naz. And Naz is like, a, they've been nationally ranked at times. And probably, in the tough, probably the toughest team I played, other than the Christopher Newport team that we lost to in the national tournament yeah. um, my whole career in college. So we had to be on our stuff. And we got to Sunday. I didn't practice Sunday, like seven or eight of us in practice sunday i didn't practice monday and barely went through shoot around tuesday so i'm like yo i'm like the jordan it's like the jordan flu game <laughs>
0: the for <me."> flu game
2: <laughs> it was a food poisoning game but i went out and like had my energy level it was weird because this connection between the mental health thing i didn't have any energy because i was like i was in bed for like 24 hours the day prior just puking i didn't do anything but just stay in bed and got up and had didn't really have a lot of energy so we got to the tip there's like, like mad people in the gym because they're like, you know, if we win, we're going to, you know, we're hosting the Eights and whatever, and that atmosphere was crazy. I had caution tape on the fan section so that none of the guys would like step on the court. Like the it NBA. was like that crazy. So, yeah, it was it was nuts. So, but I'm like sitting at center circle, ready for the game, and I'm just like chilling because I didn't have any energy. But for whatever reason, I tapped into like that like peak performance of like. I was chilling. I was confident and I was just playing and hooping. And I ended up having, I think, like 30 or 35. And I was just doing stuff that I was like, wow, I'm like bugging right now. Like hitting tough shots, step backs, fades. I was talking, you know, I was talking crap to people. Like I was just on it. And we ended up clinching and got to the EA tournament. It was just like a really cool feeling because we knew that we were going to have all those people back for the playoffs and we're going to be in our you know our atmosphere for you know those big games so um the championship was sick it was like the same type of atmosphere like even like raised up from that regular season game because there's people like up in, you know in the alfred gym there's the top seats mm-hmm. on the one side they got like the blue i don't even remember what color they are like yellow or something crazy yeah. but there were people up there like standing on the railings like people flooding in and we played Fisher. So I mean, Fisher's been in like a nationally ranked program for, I don't know how long and well-respected around the country. 100%. And they were, all they do is talk crap and throughout the regular season. And it was just like our rival. So we got to that game and obviously we won. And it was just like an awesome feeling. Cause you know, the guys, all the, all the guys that we knew and the, our classmates rushed the court and we were like going nuts. It was like sick, sick atmosphere to be a part of, but, um, I will say when we played in the tournament, we played against Christopher Newport at Christopher Newport, um, so, so which is like a game, division one. Was that game crazy? That was the second round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, no, it was because the way division three for everybody that is listening, that doesn't know this, the division three tournament is different from the division one. They have host sites. So like the host sites are at bigger, like nationally ranked programs. You go to their site and there's like four teams. So We went to Christopher Newport in Virginia. We took like an eight and a half hour bus ride down to Virginia um, and there was four teams. So we played the game. Christopher Newport played the game after us. And then the next day we played each other. So it was like a little four team tournament in one location. So it was basically like a home game for them and their sports down there. Like Christopher Newport's like, it's like a division one school for them. Like the way that you'd see like, you know, your, your big division one local school, those types of fans support, like for us, it'd be like you Albany, Sienna, like that's how they support Christopher Newport down there. Wow. So we got into the atmosphere. I scored forty-five the day before forty-five, and I'm getting like I had forty-five in the first round. That was another The rim was just looking drive.
0: looking large to you. The hoop was looking anything was falling.
2: <laughs> that's another that's another crazy story we could go into for. But I we took that eight and a half hour bus ride the day before we practiced. I didn't make one shot in practice, not one it was the craziest thing like we went through shooting drills we went through team drills we went through stuff like after and i just felt like crap like we couldn't make a shot you were nervous body was not it was a combination of like at that point it wasn't as much anxiety because at that point like i just had like a crazy game in the in the e8s yeah like we won and i was feeling confident but it was kind of just like the expectation a little bit got to me. I would think like, I just scored like, you know, like I was just expected to do a lot. And yeah. like, I wanted that on my back, but it was like, with my head, I'm just thinking like, yo, we're taking an eight and a half bu- hour bus ride down to Virginia. And It's like, they haven't won an NCAA tournament game here in 20 years. Like, what if we get here? We freaking lose, you know? And, and I'm sitting there like, I got to perform. And then on top of it, I hated traveling because I just wasn't the type of person. So we got off the bus and I was like falling in practice and like, couldn't make a shot. And coach Romano, who was our assistant at the time, was like, Oh, are you all right? Like, are you good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm... I just like not having a good day of practice. We were just on an eight and a half hour bus yeah. ride. But for whatever reason, I woke up the next day and my mind kind of cleared and I felt like unbelievable in warmups. Um, and I came out and I hit, like, a super tough shot in the first opening possession. We ran this play where I came down. I would enter it into the high post to L. And then I would kind of have the option to go off like a handoff. Or I he could kind of, at that point, I was just like, yo, throw it back to me because they had it all scouted. <laughs> yeah. So they knew what was coming. We called it, they scouted, they were like calling it out. So I'm like, yo, throw it back to me. So I was like going like this, throw it back to me. I was like five feet behind the line and I drilled a three in a dude's face to open up the game. So I was just like flowing a little bit. I was feeling myself. And then I just started hitting shots that I like never have even shot in my life. <laughs> like spin fades, turnarounds, like like Steph Curry on the move, like threes. And I was just like, yo, I'm, I'm bugging. That's and so we dumb. got to the end of the game and I – I got subbed out and, uh, our, one of our grad assistants was like, "Yo, you have 45. And I'm like, for real? i like, I didn't even, f- I wasn't like counting or nothing. I just wanted to win at that point. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember this to this day. I'm like, yo, you could have told me I would have went for 50. 50. I need the 50 ball. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yo, I need a 50 ball. You could have told me that. But at that point I was so locked in and I wasn't thinking about it. But back to what we were talking about, about Christopher Duport, um, got into that environment and it was like everybody was a Christopher Newport fan. We had our small little Alfred fan section, but like twenty people, thirty people behind the bench. Yeah. And then like there's a their their court is like an arena almost. So like they have like probably that probably holds like I'd say like probably five, seven thousand people in there. That's lit. So they probably had a good four to five thousand people in there wearing blue and white and they came out and just they were hounding me from the start like they put their division one trance around me they were face guarding me um i still ended up with 28 but so you were was... still giving him cups
0: they just were the better team that day.
2: of course yeah they were they were a really good all-around team with a lot of like senior leadership older guys fifth-year guys and we had like i said 11 freshmen so it was like tough atmosphere we had been going i mean that was our probably one of our what 28th or 29th game of the season at that point yeah um and we knew going in like I knew going in like yo I was we're gonna have to play really really well and some of the guys didn't have it that day and Brewster actually didn't play that game because he had a headache that and sucks. I knew without him it was going to be tough so but it was again the atmosphere was crazy I like this is the last thing I'll say that we can move on I I knew it was like crazy because I had like 50 or 60 year old men coming up to me asking for autographs Dang.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, I'll never forget it. The guy was like, "Yo, can I get your
2: autograph?" I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like, yo, I'm like in Virginia playing Division three basketball. Yeah, you buy your autograph. I'm, bug- I'm bugging, but like, I don't feel like I'm like that, you know, hyped up. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not that
0: crazy, but it was, it was,
2: it was dope. It was a dope experience.
0: I just want to say something. When he's saying Brewster has headaches, it's not like Brewster's a, a soft little boy, and it's just like, ah, my head hurts. Like he's having real migraines where he yeah. can't do anything. So. I just wanted to clarify that. Brewster is my
2: guy. He already knows. He yeah. already knows that's my guy.
0: Yeah, no, nah, I'm just clarifying to listeners. Let's take a quick break. Yeah. All right, we're back. And I want to talk about your post college experience. Were you thinking professional basketball right off the rip? Or what was your your goals back then?
2: Yeah, so that was always like in the back of my head, but you know, like while I was working out, because I didn't really know anything other than you know basketball at that point i didn't really do anything else other than play, play basketball so it was kind of like i did want to do it but it was also like yo, i don't know what else i'm going to do if i don't play basketball so i was like yo i gotta pursue this um anyway but um it was it was something that i aspired to be because i put so much time in and i knew the you know challenges it took to get there but I didn't really know much about that whole process in college. I just, you know, saw like, you know, professional basketball player. It sounds great. You know, I could be that and, and, you know, create, you know, a, an image for myself and create a, a career for myself that not many people get to do. So it was something that I always aspired to be. Um, but it's not as easy as people think behind the scenes for sure.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about those behind the scenes. What, what was your, professional basketball process where is it like a recruitment thing teams are reaching out to you talk about that
2: yeah so I actually unfortunately learned about this stuff while I was in the process so that's something like if I I, um if I were to give advice to kids that want to play that are in college now like definitely do your homework before you get to that part where you're about to go play because there's a lot that goes um into it so um when i got to the end of my career um and had the career i did at that point you know like prior to that big year that i had i didn't really know if i was going to be able to because i didn't get a ton of time and wasn't really you know going crazy up to that last like last year where i just went crazy um so once it came to that time it was time to figure out you know things like getting an agent um you know when you get to that point you have to um you have to sign with an agent, you have to talk with them about all the little details in terms of, um, like, for example, if you're a player at a smaller school, like I was, and we are that at Alfred, like, opposed to kids that go to these big high-level Division 1s and Division 2s, you know, like, you're probably not going to be seen and wanted as much. 100%. And so, what happens over there when you get uh, into that type of stuff, the FIBA stuff, is each team has a certain amount of roster spots. So say, we'll say it's 13, Um, 11 of those spots typically are for citizens of that country. So say it was, for me, it was Italy, right? So they're Italian. 11 of those guys on that team are Italian citizens. They have their citizenship. And then two of those guys on the team are considered American imports that don't have to have their um, citizenship they're just on the team they're able to come over as americans so what i mean by that is is if you're going over there to try to get on a team if you don't have that citizenship instead of having 13 opportunities to make a team you only have two on each team. so if you're a team and an owner over there my first thought as an owner as a as a uh, owner of a professional club is to go to division 1 and division 2 guys that are high level guys that have played in the biggest atmospheres that's who they want
0: of course
2: um so that whole process when i figured that out it was now for me to give myself the best opportunity was to get my citizenship to figure out if i could and my grandfather and grandmother came off the boat from italy so i'm italian so i had they were italian citizens so i had to go through the whole process of becoming an italian citizen and getting my citizenship so this process was ridiculous because you had to get paperwork. You had to get old birth certificates from the freaking like early 1900s that are like barely put together. I'm going to my grandparents' house, searching in like these boxes to find these files. And then you got to go get them like registered or whatever. So that process took forever. I finally got that done. Um, and then when you're with the agent, they provide you they don't provide you but they link you with a lawyer the lawyer over there is the one that is um, the person that's going to help you get your citizenship mm-hmm. so I'm in college you know we're in college I don't have much money bro I'm in college like I'm not working I'm playing college basketball like thing at Alfred, right 60 grand to go to school like I I already have debt and I don't really have a ton of money to be thrown around like um, so when you get into that situation and you get on the phone with the lawyer and the lawyer is like, yeah, like we can help you out. You know, you're going to have to come over and stay in Italy for two months. This is with no guarantee that you're going to make a team. This is what they're telling me. No guarantee that you're going to make a team. You can kind of like meet some clubs, meet some guys, go in and play. But while you're here, we have to file for your citizenship. We don't really know like if it's going to happen quick, but we're going to try and help you speed up the process. So I'm like, all right, like, now I got to think about going to Italy to try and make this a thing. Betting on yourself. And then the guy's like, yeah. It's right. Like, by myself, as a 21, 22-year-old, just got done with school. Like, So, like, do I want to do it? Of course I do. But, like, bro, I'm a homebody still to this day. And, you know, like, I have definitely ventured out. But at that time, like, I'm not ready to fly to Italy by myself. I don't know how to speak Italian. None of that. So the guy was like, yeah, it's going to be like five grand to do all this i'm like i don't got that so what do i do at i gotta ask my parents for five grand to help me do this like it's tough like i don't i don't got five grand in my pocket at uh-huh. that point like this is when i'm like yo i wish nil was a thing and i had some <laughs> money in my pocket so i could make some money but yeah so i went through that process and then the guy was you know telling me my agent that he was gonna help me out and try and get this sped up without having to go over there and eventually he just like didn't do what he was supposed to do so i had it a couple clubs reach out to him that were kind of interested, but without the Italian citizenship, like, it was really going to be hard for me to to do it.
0: So Yeah.
2: Um, and then COVID hit. So once COVID hit, it was kind of like, yo, I got to figure out my life because I'm out of school and I got to make
0: money. So at that point, it's just like basketball is pretty much not in my worries. I got to find a different route.
2: Well, I mean, to this day, I still think about playing. Oh, but really? It's just – it's just it's di- it's just different when you get out of college because, like, for me, again, in high school, I was in a program that, like, I'm playing with my best friends. I'm with coaches that love it just as much as we do. And then you go to college and things are different. You got to adjust. And then you get to the professional game. And I actually ended up playing on a semi-pro team um, up in the Northeast, where we're from. Um, and it was a cool experience, but it wasn't really, like, I mean, it's like se- it's semi pro basketball. There's more players that are, there's more fans at our college and high school games than there are. Oh, professional yeah. Okay, games. Okay, I got so you. if you think about that, it's like, it's like, yo, it's really not like luxurious. You're traveling on a bus, like school bus, like <laughs> you're practicing like once a week, two, twice a week. Like it's not the same. You know what I mean? Like yeah. some of those teams did practice more, but with the team that I was on locally, it was just, um, it was a little bit of a, a newer team and stuff like that. So cool. But it was just like, now you're playing basketball and these people are worried about their money. Yeah. And you can see this now, like in the NBA all the time, like people are sometimes more concerned about the money than they are really playing the game and making relationships and doing it the right way. So it kind of got to a point where I was just like, yo, I want to play, but like, I also want to be happy while I play and I want to have fun and enjoy it. And I have to kind of find, the balance because at this point I'm not going to make a ton of money playing professional basketball. Yeah. People don't understand that either. You don't make a lot of money until you're five, six, seven years into this whole process. And so you for me be playing semi-pro.
0: And like the the top leagues to make a lot of money. Exactly. It's, people like to just put the professional label on their, on their belt, but that doesn't mean a lot all the time.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's not very, like I said, it's not luxurious, especially like if you're playing semi-professionally because that's even a, you know, like maybe a little bit lower than you would be overseas. So, you're not getting paid much, and like I said, people are doing it for the wrong reasons, stuff like that. So at that point, it was kind of like I had to generally ask myself, "Yo, like, what makes me happy?" And at that point, you know, like in the back of my head, since I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to train, and that's kind of you know like what I ended up getting into next.
0: Yeah. So that's your current day. Um, you're a successful trainer. You've worked out with guys like. Tyrese Halliburton, Chet Holmgren, Andre Jackson, and Victor Depot, those are all, like, established guys in the league today. What about your D3 yeah. experience allows you to be a successful trainer and improve those guys' games at the NBA level?
2: Well, it was kind of just, like, um, I think the best thing about being a Division three player that has translated over into the training world is, you know, like, when you get into division, being a Division three player – the rules are different than they are at a division two. And then more specifically a division one with how much the coaches can work with you. Um, So where I'm going with this is is like every single day when I, you know, went to the gym, I had to almost work myself out. Like you don't really have like coaches around to they'll rebound for you, but like, there's not guys that a lot of guys at division three schools that really, like really know how to teach development. And so for me, I loved working out, like, I loved it, it was part of every, my everyday routine, and I just made me feel productive, and stuff like that, so, you know, through, through having to do that every single day, I learned new ways to train by myself, and would have to study, like, when I went back to my dorm room, I would flip on, like, the Xbox, go on YouTube, and put in, like, Steph Curry highlights or Steph Curry workouts and just watch like for hours and hours, like all these different guys work out. And my biggest idol to this day is Kobe Bryant. And he was like a workaholic. That's who I like the same way that this is going to sound really corny, but I'm going to say it anyway, the same way that Kobe wanted to be MJ, like in some form, like I wanted to be like the Kobe of like Alfred division three, like the way that he worked. Like I I knew I wasn't Kobe Bryant but I wanted like, in terms of like the work ethic, the guy that just was like, yo, like, I don't care what it takes, we're gonna do this. And like, I don't care, you know, what it takes to do. So like, I think that was the biggest thing that helped me to this day is I had to learn and teach myself how to develop myself. And then I was able to kind of use my experience and translate it over into what I do now with other people. And and it's, what it allows me to do is, is it allows me to tell, these kids like if we're working on a certain move like yo I've worked on the same move and here's what I felt can you feel the same thing you know if they're struggling with something so I can give that experience to them and that's what players respect the most is guys that have done it and can really like talk about like you know like what it feels like to do it like if you're messing up like here's what you can do instead like that's what players want to be in the gym with they don't want to play being in the gym with guys that are just like, do this, and then dribbling around cones and laying the ball and stuff like that because it doesn't really translate. So that was kind of like the biggest thing where um, it's translated from the Division Three experience into what I do now.
0: Yeah, that's great. Are you ever, like, starstruck when you're in the gym with those high-level guys or is this, like, a regular day for me? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, like,
2: growing up, when, I, when we played, we played in, the front of, in front of a lot of big crowds. And um, when we played, we were really close with like Kevin Herter, who played at Shen,
0: mm-hmm.
2: who's obviously like doing really well in the league now. But um, we played him throughout my whole high school career. We were in different classifications, but our coaches used to really be close to each other. So we would scrimmage back and forth and we would hang out. Like they came over for the Super Bowl one year. We were all in the same room chilling. Like... That's fire. So I was around guys that were in – you know, that type of atmosphere. So I'm like, yo, and, and then my buddy, obviously, Joe Cremo, who played um, at me at Villanova, now plays professionally overseas. Um, he had NBA workouts. So, like, th- that being around those types of guys and then seeing where they were, like, you know, for Kev, he was at USA Basketball. He was at Maryland. He was eventually drafted. Like, I'm like, yo, I hung out with these guys, and I know who they are behind the scenes. Yeah. They're regular people. You know, like, it's not like they're, like, these crazy people that are just like, you know, what I mean they're regular people. They put their pants on the same way I do when I wake up in the morning. And I've, you know, not for anything, but I've killed them numerous times when I played, you know, Respect. like. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily like, yo, I'm like, oh my God, it's da 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 da. But you know, you do get into some situations. Like for me, two years ago, I was out in California and I did this mentorship with a guy that's named Drew Hanlon. A lot of people know Drew yeah, Hanlon's percent probably the at the top of the industry for basketball training. Definitely is. Um he's located out in LA. He works with guys like Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. I mean the list goes on and on. He has those guys are like his clients that he goes and flies to during the season and works yeah. all throughout the off season with. So I got to go out there for like 3 days and kind of see his day day by day, you know, work day. And so I went out there, I was staying in Hollywood I went there by myself, woke up um drove down to a town uh, probably like 20 minutes away from hollywood where he worked out guys in this small private school um walked in there was like five or six of us that were doing the mentorship program and we got to um at first kind of watch so it was crazy when i was sitting there it was like 8 a.m he wasn't even there yet but I'm sitting there and I don't know if you know who Solomon Hill is, but Solomon Hill is a guy that's played in the league um, for numerous years. And to the the naked eye, Solomon Hill is not like, yo, you wouldn't know. If you're not like a big basketball fan, you wouldn't know like who that was. But he walked in the gym and um, it was kind of like just – and Drew wasn't even there yet. And Drew hadn't got there yet. And Solomon's like, yo, does anybody know where Drew is? And we were like, no, I don't – no, we haven't even met him yet at this point. We just mm-hmm. talked on Zoom calls like we are. And uh, he's like, all right, like, I'm going to just go get a haircut. I'll be back later. But this is, like, his day by day. Like, Solomon Hill, if Solomon Hill ever walked to the gym in, in you know, where it's connected, where I work out, I'd be like, yo, what, what can we do for it? And Drew's like, yeah, "Like he's like, yo, I'll be back. Like, they're just regular. Like, that's how it yeah. is out in L.A. for them. So, more of the story, we're in the gym, and I Saw in three days. This is a list. I'm not even making up. I swear to God. I saw Victor Oladipo, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, um, Trey Young, DeMar DeRozan, uh, uh, Oh geez. Chet Holmgren, Amari Bailey, who now plays for the Hornets, who's at UCLA, Pat Williams, who's on the Bulls. Jeez, um, Myers Leonard, who was in the league, had a little, got in a little trouble, and then was back um a kid that played for the chinese national team who i still talk to a little bit here and there to this day um and then a kid that played at ohio state his name is Devin Roy. he will be a freshman there this year and then I, I got an experience i got the opportunity to have an experience so there's a guy that used to actually train um kobe and his daughter before they passed away his name is alex bazell one of the best guys i've ever met in the industry I met him at a at a clinic in New York City. He was out there. So I hit him up. I'm like, yo, I'm out here with Drew. Um, he's really close with Drew. And I'm like, yo, is it okay if we if I pop into some of your workouts while you're out here? He's like, yeah, whatever. So he sent me the Addy. I Pulled up. I'm in the middle of California, I've never been to this high school. I'm trying to find a gym. I've been to high school, I'm asking Janders, like, yo, where's the gym at? So I walk in. I'm the only dude in the gym. It's him and two other dudes, and he's working out Karis Levert from the Cavs so
0: that's one of my favorite dope, right
2: like yeah caris is like the is like a, a pretty good nba player so like you see him you're like yo, this is dope so i pulled up a chair was literally right on the sideline i got the videos on my phone to this day it's still like every time i go by him I'm like this is dope but i'm sitting there watching only the guy in the gym and then after he's done with Karis, he comes up alex does and he was like yo he's like um appreciate you coming and stuff and i was like yo appreciate the opportunity to come watch she's like um, I'm going to work Karis out for a little, for a little while longer. Um, I think Kai is coming. So if you could let him in, um, I appreciate it. So I'm like sitting there and it, I didn't, didn't register, didn't register me at first. <laughs> and eventually I sat back down. I'm thinking, I'm like, yo, he's talking about Kyrie Irving. Like, <laughs> That's I'm like, insane. this is crazy. Cause Kobe, like Kobe's my guy, go- like Kobe to this day, like I said, is like my number one idol ever, like other than my father and, um, Coach appear in, in high school, like Kobe's like my guy. So, and Kyrie's like his little brother almost, and he looked up to him the same way. So, I always loved the way Kyrie played his skill and everything. So, they're in the middle of the workout, and I hear knocking on the door. So, I go over, I open the door. Who's on the other side of the door? Kyrie. That's crazy. It's like crazy. I like looked him in the face. I'm like, what's good, bro? I like dapped him up. I'm like, walking away. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, yo, it's Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <Urban."> like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, yeah. that was that was the only time to get back to your question that was the only time i think i've ever been kind of starstruck i played it super cool but i was definitely like yo that's like like these guys are like the top of the top guys in the league like, in the world you know what i'm saying like and that's like that's like one of my favorite guys so that experience when i went out in la was like insane it was like it, it just got to show you like the real detail of those guys on a daily basis and how hard they go. It's like amazing.
0: Yeah. It's different. It's different for real. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to end with a little rapid fire and starting five edition. You ready for rapid Mm -hmm. fire? All right. Favorite artist. Let's do it. (sighs) I'll say Drake. After that mid album, Drake.
2: (laughs) He said mid album. You know, I was a big, I was a, I was a big Meek Mill guy. And people will make fun of me for that. But he was – he hyped me. Like, he he was my guy that I used to listen to because I know people, like, joke about Meek and all the things with him and Drake. But <laughs> Meek was, like – I used to listen to his stuff heavy ever since I was in high school. And he just was, like, my pregame guy. He was in my headphones before every game. Word. Him and Drake, I would say, are probably my two favorite.
0: That's fire. Favorite movie? Batman. Dark Knight. Heard. <laughs> Best player you've trained?
2: Best player I've trained. Jeez, you're putting me on the spot.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh. Best skilled player. I don't wanna say uh I, I guess I will. Uh I would say probably Victor La Depot was super tough. Chat chet is gonna be really, really good. Rookie of I'm the gonna year. say chet. I'm little.
0: putting my vote in now. Rookie yeah. of the year. Him or Vic.
2: I, the reason I say that is there's probably guys that are more polished, but like he's a legit seven foot and can do literally like every. He looks like he, he plays like he's six <laughs> three. Like he just does. He handles it. He shoots it. And he's super smooth. So I would say
0: probably. him. I'm a Thunder fan. So you're making me smile right now. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's going to be tough if can stay
0: healthy, man. All right. This starting five edition, we're going to do the best players you've played against, but strictly in college if you remember all of them oh i of course i do what and the (laughs) listeners might not understand or know who these guys are so just say like a sentence about what made them so tough
2: i'll give you a little background of each one um so let's start out i'm not gonna do this in order because it's gonna take me a little bit but i would say i don't want to mess this up i'm getting trouble people start hitting me up so i would say definitely uh a kid by the name of Marcus Carter who played at Christopher Newport. Uh he was a division one transfer. He guarded me actually um in our NCA tournament game, but I have a lot of respect for him. We actually stay connected. Uh, we stay connected after college. I haven't talked in a while, but he's he's one of them. He was like a two guard. So I'll give you him. Um see, this is tough for me because <laughs> I was like Kobe was like I did, I I didn't like anybody that wasn't on my team. I was like an enemy with.
0: Yeah, like I, nah, just didn't... I feel you. I feel you. I was cool with them,
2: but like I was like I was like yo, I don't care who you are. I'm just gonna kill you. But um, I would say there's a kid um from Nazareth who played like an undersized four. His name was Jake Bergio. Okay. Um, who I played actually semi professionally against. He was like six, probably like my same height, like, like six five, six four, six five. He played a little bit different of a game than me. He was kind of like a could shoot it from like 15 feet, go downhill, score around the rim. Super, really, really good with his footwork and stuff. Nas uh, is like
0: a really good program. So. That's crazy. I would say it, him. It's still, it's still around today that that footwork they have. Was it the same yeah, coach that, Broderick? That, yeah. Okay. So that's he. He's locked in. He's that's such. A, I mean,
2: bro, we had a yeah. We had our battles like. Obviously, like I said, anybody that I played against, but I have a lot of respect for that program. They do a really good job with their program for sure. That was probably one of the toughest teams that we played, if not the toughest team. Um, Let's see. I'm not going to remember his name, and I feel crazy because that's like a starting five. But there was a guy that we played at Nazareth. I didn't really get to play a ton against him. I got in a game against him. I'm just going to mention his name. He He was a dude from Naz. He was the biggest human being I've ever seen play Division Three basketball. He was, like – he looked like he was 37, Damn. 35, with a grown, grown man body, like, bodybuilder. He was, like, catching it in the post. I'll never forget it. He would, like, drop step or, like, back you down twice, hit you in the chest, and he would just, like, dunk. And I'm like, bro, I'm like, you- who is this guy? Why is he here? <laughs> Why are you at Nazareth? Yeah, he was killing. That's – I got to remember his name. I will. Um, so let's go and I'll give you names because we got to get to five. So we're at Bergio. I got Bergio. I got Marcus Carter. Uh, um, we got Nas Fisher. Uh, Ryan Henderson. Ryan Henderson was actually a kid that, that we played in the EA Championship, who was on the first team with me. Uh, Sam, similar to Jake, he was like a four man. He shot like f- over sixty percent from the field. He just like finished a bunch of stuff around the rim. That's tough. um super solid. Yeah, he was good. Um I'll go actually non-conference here. Kid from Brockport. His name was oh my god, I'm gonna blank on this. I think his name was Justin Summers, actually. I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he was very similar to those to those guys at uh in the E8, but Brockport. Have you guys played Brockport? You have, right? Yeah, yeah. They're super, super like a lot of those guys, they have they get they get a ton of super athletic kids there. Justin Justin was like the same way he played like a four, but he was like six five and he could jump out of the gym, and uh, he got up and rebounded, blocked shots. He was in transition playing like downhill, and he was super tough. I, I I liked his game a lot. He actually ended up getting hurt in the game we played it, but he was like a, I think he was like first team like all northeast the year after I left. Yeah, he was good. So,
0: um. um... I know you know Devontae and Jahadi from Lansenberg. They they yep. were on yep. Justin Summers' team. So at Brockport, mm-hmm. I used to follow them, and Summers was really tough, very athletic. Yeah, he was. He was good. I was impressed with
2: him because we didn't play. You know, like the EA is really solid, but like the Suniac probably tends to get a little bit more of like an athletic type of style of play, and uh, Brockport especially. And he was he was impressive. So I'm at Bergio. I'm picking like the same position. It's fun. <laughs> Those are the guys that kill in that league, though. Yeah, Bergio, Ryan, Justin, and then Marcus. So I got to give you one more. You probably a point guard. Yeah, give me a point. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about and we're gonna talk about point guards. I didn't play against him; was on my team. But Scotty, I always say Scotty was like, um, he's my point guard since high school and in college. He's always been. He was just like a blast to play with because he's just like. Super competitive, very undersized, knew how to pass, and just was a team guy. Um, and so, like, that type of type of guy was really good. I think the last guy that I will name from Naz, his name was Brendan Wind. I don't know if he played Brendan or not, but Brendan was from Naz. And just like Jake, they're super good. You know from playing Nazareth, they're all really good within, like, 5 to 10 feet. Yeah. Like, they shoot that little floater pull-up. I don't know if they're the same way now, but that's how they were. Like, they would run those handoffs and back doors, and Brendan would just get to, like, right below the foul line, and he would just hit a pull-up, like, every single possession. And I would literally look at Scotty and like, bro, are you going to stop him, or do I have to go? <laughs> you know what I mean? But he was – they were really, really good at, like, getting to their spots and scoring. They were really, really good at it. So I'll say him.
0: Credit to that NAS coach because it, it looks like – when you're watching the game from the outside, it's like, how can you not stop a dribble handoff, jump to two feet, go up? But that's that's a lot of You know what's worked. funny is,
2: yeah, no, a lot of their principles, too. You know, I started to watch, like, Villanova pretty close um, after I got out of school. And this is back to my training. But a lot of the stuff that they did, I took with me when I started to train, which is actually hard for me to admit because I hated them <laughs> during college. But I have a ton of respect because the way they play basketball, especially for people that aren't as athletic, um, they maximize kids because, like, they play off of two feet. And what, what happens when you get on two feet is, is you give yourself, like, a bunch of options and you're under control. Like, you say a lot of guys that under aren't athletic go up and try and jump with people and they're just, like, not really effective. But those yeah. guys are so good. Like, you said, the two feet. And just shooting, like, shots where you're like, bro, like, I can't stop it. I don't know what to
0: do. <laughs> no, nah, but – I appreciate your time, Don. It's been a great conversation. I'm looking forward to talking to you more. Absolutely. Anything
2: you need, you already know. Yes, sir.